I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sans Pants Radio. Australia's most biased podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Demarellis. So this is a show where we ask you, what's your story and what does it say about you? Today on the show, I have comedian, uh, recent author, TV writer, and general funny guy, Simon Taylor. How are you doing, Simon? Hello. I'm good, actually. I like the idea of, uh, you know, recent author, because for a while I was like, I'm a future author. So <laughs> <laughs> I've made it over the bridge. I mean, that's, look, to be honest, mm. you're way ahead of me. I don't have a, yeah, I'm still in future author. Yeah, well, it's... Category. It's... it's fine like it's we've all got you know i suppose that story that we want to tell and it's mainly just like practical life events that allow you to get in position to do it really so as in like logistically just get Logi- it's legit it's 90 percent can... logistics yeah, yeah really it was i wouldn't have finished if covid lockdown didn't happen i wouldn't have be, i wouldn't be done i'd be a future author i'd still be with you your be... With you and your club, you know. But okay, well, yeah. no, let's not enter clubs that uh, yeah. I'm excluded from. But all right. <laughs> I still be one of you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Did you like that's that's actually I was going to say uh, almost the most annoyingly fantastic use of COVID time right. is to write a book. Right. <laughs> like, well, it was for me. It was it. finished. It was finished because I'd been already writing it for two years. Oh damn! And so it was actually just like, yeah, I'll finish this during comedy festival, and. Not understanding that that never would have happened. Mm. I I didn't know that the latter parts of the writing really slowed down, like how much they slowed down. Because when I started, I could probably do a thousand words a day pretty consistently. Like, right, thousand words a day, smashing out, smashing out. But when you're writing uh, new things, like you're starting from, you know, first line, chapter one, and going all the way through. That is a lot faster than when you're in the latter stages going, oh, I need to fix chapter seven. I need to create more character development because then you're rereading the chapters beforehand and then you're thinking, oh, no, does this mess up something down the line? So you're reading, writing, reading, writing, and the, the process, a thousand words a day became near impossible because most of the day was rereading things and trying to work out if I was creating any inconsistencies or, or mess up. So what I thought would have been, you know, my deadline was pushed way back. I was like way after deadline. I guess that's the edit though, right? Yes. That's that's the whole thing of like, you know, half the stuff is always in the edit. How many, um, and yet someone obviously was like giving you an editor who was telling you change this, add this, do all that. Yeah, yeah, totally. The editor in the early stages was pretty good just asking me questions like, 
oh, what do you want this to say about the character? And I'm like, oh, just tell me what it should say. <laughs> you know? uh, so that was good. And then in the later stages, there was a lot more like, this doesn't make sense. What's this about? You know, just like, you know, actually circling lines. <laughs> But, to begin, but the first consultation or two was just very general, very, yeah. very general. Like, oh, is that a theme that you think is, you know, on, you know, that's what it is. It goes from like a teacher in like grade five yeah. to a teacher in like year 12. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, yeah, I was, co- I was coached through it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Emotionally coached through it. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Uh, did you, like, yeah, that, uh, okay. Actually, to tie, I always find this interesting when someone is cross field, I guess, in what they're writing for. Mm. So you do the writing for, I guess, the biggest one is comedy. Um, mm. Was there a similarity there in it at all? Was it completely different in terms of the process of first writing it and then editing it? Obviously, having someone else involved would change mm. it a lot, but mm. anything else there? Or was it? Yeah, there's, I guess there's like a, you know, an overlap. Uh, I mean, if you imagine the Venn diagram of like, like a festival show and a, let's say a stand-up comedy club set, they're pretty, you know, there's a lot of overlap, like a lot of jokes, structured routines, whatnot, but there is also things in a festival show that you would never do in a short seven-minute spot or even a 20-minute spot. Yeah. It's just too long. It's too much setup, not enough jokes. If you're doing like a, a comedy club, they want setup punchline, setup punchline. You can maybe get away with a minute of setup before like a big punchline. Yeah. Generally speaking, that's the general sort of uh, layout of the medium. And so I find that novel writing was relatively close to a festival show with one main story because I wrote it was the novel was a festival show it was one hour story about this incident that happened to me and uh so yes there's a lot of overlap in in that from that format from mm. festival comedy and the things that didn't overlap were like character development I didn't understand it really because in stand-up, like a character's kind of a prompt, like they said, and then I said, (laughs) punchline, cop that, you know, like, yeah, 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 totally. Applause, applause, applause. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's my script. Uh, That's how I write it. And uh, in capital letters, applause, applause. But so like jokes, jokes. Within the book, set up punchline, fine. Narrative, like beginning, middle, end stuff, fine. But like character development of like what is this character's motivation? Having to think about what the character, what a character did when they're not in the story. Oh, okay. If you know what I mean. Like, you know, the main character is Ben and then he has coffee with someone named Libby. It's like, well, what was Libby doing earlier that day? It's not going to be written down, mm. but I have to know that, yeah. and and that was I, that was hard because I just wanted her to say lines that helped the main character, but they they can the editor spotted it. It was like this character is just a prop. Yeah. I'm like, oh, is it's... that bad? Yeah, that's bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I is didn't know. I'm sorry. Okay, you checked. <laughs> I'm sorry. And that's good. <laughs> and I don't have to edit. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know in acting, it's something which I've learned with like some class and stuff where they talk about Mm. how the difference in like someone who's doing it properly is when they walk into a room, they're not just starting the scene. They're coming from somewhere. They know what time it is. They know how they feel when they get there. And that all influences being realistic or not. And like, yeah, you don't think about that, but Mm. you do on a subconscious level where you're like, this person's not, this is just a guy walking into a scene. Like as in versus a 
person walk into a place. So yeah, yeah. There's the the my favorite example of that is the the big Lebowski. Um, is, is it Jeff Bridges, the lead actor? Yeah. Yeah. So he would ask the director, he's like, do you think the character would have smoked a joint before coming here? And they go, yeah, he probably would have. And he'll act stoned in that scene, assuming that on the drive there or on the way there he had a joint. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, that's like acting 101, baby. Just like, did my character have a joint before this scene? And then you get into the more complex, were they upset? Were they, you know, whatever. But yeah, yeah. but it is a good, it is yeah. interesting knowing he was using that exercise of yeah, yeah. what what did I do immediately before this? And it even adds like, and then that adds so much more to the scene. Yeah, the fact yeah. that he's being like stone, you can justify that. That's, so That's much how more. he played it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, the other part, I guess, the writing stuff, so you're talking about the character development. What about, because I've noticed this sometimes when I'm writing stuff, like if I'm trying to do any sort of writing, like, even short blog stuff, whatever. Mm. The habit of punchlines. Mm. Ha- did you have to pull that back in terms of like, because, you know, in, in comedy, it's yeah. da 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 And it's like, yeah. and obviously good writing isn't at all like that. So Yeah, totally. The, um, the ending had to change. I was told like, this ending is just a joke. Like, it's a joke. It's, it, it rips the emotion out of it. It, it was a punchline for sure, mm. uh, you know, and he... Made the same mistake again. What an idiot! Like that, and and that didn't that didn't work. It wasn't satisfying. Um, so yeah, I have that was that came that was actually a pretty late rewrite. It was probably draft three or four that I was yeah. Right. I, I got a friend to so Benjamin Stevenson, fellow comedian in the Stevenson Experience, wrote a book called uh, Green Light, and it's uh, Green Light is in you know, getting the green light for a film type thing, um, murder mystery. And because he's a comedian and I can ask him a favor, I said, can you read this for me, please? And he said, I don't like, why is, why is this character in this relationship? I said, oh, because it's for the big punchline at the end. He goes, get rid of it. Yeah. He basically just said, I don't, or he said, I don't believe it. I don't believe the relationship. Mm. It's true because there was no other reason for it other than punchline. So Yes, the answer is I had to be, you know, told off. So that, yeah. Mm. So I guess that that's from the wider story angle. But even mm. in terms of like uh, individual paragraphs, did you ever mm. feel like yourself getting drawn towards? Because that's the other one I was kind of meaning more. Like even in a paragraph, if you structure something funny, you know the part that is the joke, I guess. Yes. So I don't know the habit is always to put it at the end, you know, like as in the punchlines always like make the last word the funniest, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thing. Did I did have to be scaled back? Yeah. So it, there was a joke at every single opportunity and then it was brought back to maybe 70 percent 60 percent 70 percent yeah so yes i did have that instinct yes i did do it yes i was <laughs> dialed back there's still heaps of it yeah, <laughs> yeah totally yeah the joy of editors right? yeah, yeah, yeah yeah totally yeah. that's on them yeah <laughs> i did that a lot i did that a lot like that's the editor's job <laughs> <laughs> like just absolved post. myself yeah, yeah. of actually fixing the thing that I knew was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Ah, I mean, oh, that's their responsibility. It makes sense. Like in it, mm. that's the whole point of it. That your first time you, you you go crazy and then peel it back. That's always better than yeah than adding stuff on as well. Nice. Okay. Um. And to give a bit of background on you as well, I guess, so people can know um for everything. You have been doing comedy now for years. How long has it been now? Uh, ten years. Ten years. Mm. And you have. Like you've done festivals everywhere. You've done shows on, like you've had stuff specials on TV. You've done some writing for in America as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you start off doing comedy? I feel like you started off doing 
something else firstly? Yeah, so I think a lot of people know me from magic. That was the thing that I did right before comedy. Mm -hmm. But before that, I did improv, uh, improv comedy. So I was in, you know, some troops. Uh, the big hoo-ha in Melbourne is was one. Um, and so, and then before that, I did sort of uh, spoken word poetry. And I, I did, you know, singing, songwriting a little bit as well throughout uni just to express my emotions. Uh, but so, so I basically was jumping around mediums until I kind of found uh, stand-up. And, and it's a little bit of... Melbourne is just a really good stand-up comedy city. There's mm. lots of resources for us. There's lots of stage time. There's lots of uh, institutions like the Comedy Festival, Raw Comedy, the festivals. Like that is just really nurturing for stand-up. Magic, um, not so much. I think Magic is sort of more popular in the States and Europe maybe. You could probably make a living as a working magician more readily in Europe because people will, you know, hire a magician for birthdays. That did happen in Australia, but it just – but the media doesn't, you know, go, hey, we should get a magician on. They go, oh, we, well, let's interview a comedian, you know. There's a, there's a lot more currency, I think, for comedians in Australia. So I think I was partly uh, just interested in stand-up like the medium, but it was just like the path of least resistance really to express my, you know, artistic drive. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of the case with, with having written a book is that someone saw my stand up show and said, Oh, this should be a novel. And I just went down that direction. Hmm. But if they had never done that, I probably would have tried to get a script up somewhere like a TV series or a, a, a film but the film industry is super tough in Australia. I mean, mm. mo most things come from novels now based on a novel, based on a best-selling thing. So I would have just been – I'm always just looking for how do I – how can I express what I, the story I want to tell, the joke I want to tell, the thing I want to tell, and the world determines what's the easiest for you, the yeah. easiest pathway. You're like, well, everyone does stand-up in Australia. Why don't you try that? All right, I'm doing it. Oh, well, no one's taken, you know, commissioning feature films in Australia. Why don't you just write the book? All right, I'll do that. So <laughs> it's really the path of least resistance, yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. That is, like, impressive just being like, because the thing you want to do is express. Mm. The medium itself is almost secondary to that, which is interesting. Yeah, I guess there's a few, you know, few people like that. I mean, we were talking about Stephen Fry earlier. I think I kind of get inspired by him that he's – you know, he started sketch comedy, he's done live shows, he's done TV, uh, he's done documentaries. Uh, he basically is like, asks the question, what's the best medium for the, you know, story I want to tell? So I, I, I kind of relate to that idea of like, you know, what interests me? What do I want to work on? What's the best home for it or vehicle for it? Mm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a great attitude for that sort of thing. It's mm. interesting because it's like, yeah, it's not like the, oh, my whole life I just wanted to be this one thing and mm. then if that's it. It's like you, yeah. you've, you've gone from a whole – it's like I just always wanted to express myself. That's yeah, yeah. Well, I do, no, I always want to be like a like a game show host, like a Wheel of Fortune <laughs> type. Like I'd love – I would love nothing more than a cushy job on like who wants to be a millionaire or, you know, I want Andrew O'Keefe's job so bad, you know, deal or no deal. Just you film 40 episodes in like a couple of months and then you take the rest of the year off. Like that's, that is my dream job. But 
you know, whatever. I'm sure it's not not all it's cracked up to be. I'm sure I, you know, whatever. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it really? is. It I'd love, pretty good. I'd I love see... to do it. That yeah. is my dream job. But uh, in lieu of that, I'll just do every other thing <laughs> instead. <laughs> it's, it's all it's all option plan yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, I just I do want to be performing. I do want to be creating, and and you know, writing for TV, writing for others is is enjoyable. Um, but but ultimately, getting to perform your own writing mm. is is great. And and even with the release of the book, I'm like, can't wait till I bring the live show back. You know, that's already my thought is like, this is going to allow me to do more shows. Yeah, you know, yeah. so so yeah, I like I like the idea of a game show just because it's sort of like so lighthearted and quirky. But the ultimate thing is being a performer. I think. Yeah. Mm. Because again, you get to say mm. what you've got, and yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. you and the audience and stuff, and that energy. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, the game show is like pretty good energy as well. I feel it's like. Good. Yeah, <laughs> they they have to, or else they don't get the money. Yeah. They have to be high energy. <laughs> They were told that on Deal or No Deal that they don't air every episode they film. So they say, if you're not excited, if you make a boring episode, we won't air that episode. You don't get the money. So that's why when you see them on, they're like, oh, I'm so pumped. Yeah. Oh, Andrew, I'm going to lock in case. You know, they're so pumped because if they're not, if they're not entertaining. Yeah. They don't actually. <laughs> they don't actually get the money. It's literally just like dance. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Get this. Yeah. Totally. I mean. Okay. That's cool. Yes. Yeah, so that's a range of things. And uh, okay. I guess we could probably go. Let's let's start on the book now. Which yeah. Again. Uh, you, the book you've chosen for today is 1984 by George Orwell. Um. Or what's his real name? Eric something. Yeah. Who is his real name? Something Eric. Eric. I should know this. It's something it's boring. Blair or something. Yeah, I think it's Eric Blair. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, 1984. And uh, yeah, because when you ask me, I always come back to 1984 because, and I thought about this today, it was the first time I experienced a particular emotion reading a book. The ending basically gave me a feeling I'd never felt with a book. And I still remember this really visceral like sick feeling like this like strange um limbo of of not happy not sad just you know kind of dis- disgusted in a way and 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 that feeling i think i've never had that in any other book and and yeah almost like uh very existential, like, oh, my God, life. Oh, this is what life is, like really grounding, like a real gut punch. And yeah. so because of that unique emotional experience, it's my favorite book. Right. How mm. old were you? Do you Would have been 14, 15 when I read it the first time and probably 19 when I read it the second time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, to specify, are you talking about the like when he – we, this place is fine. Just spoilers, by the way. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you talking about when he gives up Julia, or when he gives up Julia right at the end? Yeah. I mean, the rat thing is gross, but um, at the end where he like feels nothing for Julia, and that's like, uh, it's it's actually so he gives her up in the torture, and then you know he sees her outside mm. and feels nothing, and there's nothing there, and like the love is lost. Yeah. Um, that was like, oh, because like death would be like, you know, you didn't you didn't win him over. Like you just killed his body, but yeah. the heart lives on and the spirit and the soul and he's martyred. But the idea that humans are 
malleable like that mm. really oh that really got me and and that that actually i think shaped a lot of how i um you know uh, just just accepting being a human like just going don't think you're infallible don't think love conquers all like oh, wow. people can talk <laughs> no people can torture you out of love conquers all you know what i mean like you could cuz it's so believable it's just like you in the with the right pressure you will throw your family under the bus like with the right pressure the human body and the human brain is malleable and to be honest it actually makes you more empathetic to people because when you see people doing dumb things like you know um oh what how could they vote for them how could they kill those people in that war it's like they're malleable Mm. they can be brainwashed they can be put in a cult they're malleable give Mm. them a break they're human beings if if um Winston can give up the love of his life, Julia, because of a few rats. You know, it's not a few rats. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. But but it's just like it is just a reminder that you are you are not um, immune to the treacherous actions of others. That is uh, super interesting because that's mm. exactly what kind of hit me mm. the most when I read it as well, which right. is, uh, it's, that's fascinating. Cause right. it's exactly that, that personal, the political stuff and all that's super interesting as well. But yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that idea of, um, anyone being, it's almost like, yeah, free will is not really as much as you think because you're at the mercy of yeah. your circumstance defining yeah. how you think and feel. Yeah. Yeah. Way. Yeah. So what yeah. Julia says something like, well, they can't, they can't stop our love. Mm. So yeah, they can. <laughs> You're just a bunch of chemicals. Your brain is just a bunch of chemicals. And I'm not dis- I, I'm not cynical about love. I think we're in this game of life, you know. You go and love and have loss and do exciting things, go on roller coasters, like you enjoy your life. I don't know why I said roller coasters, but that's just <laughs> something I enjoy. Read books like you you like whether it's just chemical or it's spiritual, either way, right? We experience it and we live it and definitely do that. But um, I don't believe it's cosmic. I don't believe love is this cosmic force mm. um, because, and that's what Winston discovers, is that it's not like our love is, you know, just beyond the, you know, the, the grasp of human yeah. interference. And so it's not, no, it's not. Right. Okay. A, a, a cage of rats will sort that out real quick. <laughs> George, Again, or, more, George Orwell. <laughs> that's, that was a that's direct quote. quote. Like direct quote, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's real romantic. Yeah. But do you, do you agree with that? Do you agree with that, like, uh, love is within our uh, – we're embodied. It's embodied in us. It's not a cosmic – A hundred, yeah. like, a hundred percent. Like, as in it's more like I – okay, actually, this is – oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You, you were a magician. You mm-hmm. studied all that stuff. Right. So you, in a funny way, I think to a lot of people, would have the most uh, cynical, I guess maybe not view, but most realistic view of what people might call magic because you have seen, your, you've done probably tricks where it's like people are like, oh my God, how you doing? Like you, yeah. you've, you've completely pulled back the curtain for yourself and right. seeing like there is no magic. Right. <laughs> it's just reality. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and if you see, you know, these um, – spiritual healers and so on and so forth. I'm like, yeah, I know that trick. It's in this book. I I know what it, yes. So totally yeah. very skeptical about that stuff. Yeah. Not like the, the pre, like cynical feels like, oh, what's the point? Skeptical is like, skeptical. well, the world's beautiful place. 
it's wonderful, it's exciting, but you don't have to believe in the fairy tales and the people convincing you that they can actually read your palm or tell your star sign, that sort of thing. Mm. So I'm I'm very much in the, you know, uh, trust science uh, and still be enriched by life as opposed to like, well, what's the point? There's no magic. There's no real magic, you know. And, and also like, yeah, being a magician, you get to see people being delighted by fake magic, you know. Mm. And so you're like, well, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's you still know? good. Yeah. It's still it's just, good. It's, not, it's, not it's like... what we have. Yeah. It's what we got. <laughs> it's what so we enjoy got. it. <laughs> this is definitely, on the, this is dancing on a knife edge where it goes dark. No, no, no. It's, it's all we all, got, man. It's, it is. It's, <laughs> it's all we got. It's all we have. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Rats would scare me away from this love, baby. But it's all yeah. we got. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I don't want to dismiss how tough lockdown was, but we were able to adjust to, you know, our experience of things to find happiness in them, you know, like uh, my partner and I love to travel. We couldn't travel during lockdown, but we what we could do is watch, pick a country, you know, pick a city or whatever, and we go, all right, we're going to Istanbul. We're watching a doco on it. We're eating, you know, the local food from, you know, we order it in, we dress up, you know, and and that memory is as powerful as when we actually went to Disneyland because we like had this really beautiful thing. That is goddamn adorable. It's very adorable. Did we we went to I... Japan as well. <laughs> like we went to a Japanese grocer and bought like a bunch of stuff. But that 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 sort of thing is like those memories are equal to the actual getting on a plane and traveling to those. It's definitely those distinct. Yeah, that's that's, that's we'll, a good idea. Did well, you get, yeah, we'll did remember you come up with that yourselves. What's that? Did you come up with that yourselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just like staycations. You know, they're yeah. yeah I. I I guess it's relatively common, um, uh, and 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 that is kind of yeah. The point is like in, embrace the magic that you have at hand. I guess that right. sounds so fucking hallmarky, doesn't it? <laughs> Simon Taylor, embrace the magic you have in hand. Yeah, that is uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna trademark it real quick. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You, you really went. Uh, you, you really went in the complete opposite direction to it's all you got. <laughs> it's all you like, got. We're gonna make it magical. Well, there you go. See, that's uh, the that's the value of language. You yeah, know, yeah. it's the same message. It's all you got. Deal with it or embrace the magic at hand. Yeah. Oh, same message. Marketing, baby. Yeah, yeah. That's how marketing works. Uh, look, <laughs> that is. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, uh, did you, okay, so in terms of your upbringing stuff, was that something you always thought? You had this science-based view of how things kind of worked and then this kind of slotted in or was it like, like were your parents like, I don't know, was it something you always believed or you kind of, did you believe in Santa Claus? <laughs> yeah, so growing up it was a very Catholic upbringing, um, but around 13 or 14, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, I don't think, like, I, di- I certainly didn't believe in God. I stopped believing in God probably a bit earlier, actually. No, 13, 13 or 14, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm like, okay, this isn't real. But I was like, 
Well, that's fine. People have stories and it's the metaphor and it's it's all good and this mm. helps people. And Because the community of church was always quite positive for me growing up and my family. Um, but, you know, my dad's a medical scientist and so I – and my mum's a lawyer. So they are very analytical. And so I had that to question everything, you know. And so it's interesting that, you know, they're, they're still Catholic and devout while being – you know, uh, a scientist and a, and a lawyer, but I, yeah, just, just, uh, continued it, continued, just applied it to everything. I'll apply that, you know, way of thinking, critical thinking to everything. And then what do you got? And, yeah. And then, and then magic was learning magic tricks was like the nail in the coffin of any possibility of mediums and, spiritual healers and all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, what's the one? Um, psychics. Psychics, but, yeah, also like fake medicine and things like that because I could just, I just, uh, you know, understood the tricks of the trade. And so it was pretty solidified by, you know, 18, 19. Look, man, I, just, I, do, I do want to know a bit more about the psychic side of things because that, that side to me uh, – I've always wanted to visit one mm -hmm. and be – I want to be impressed by it. Right. Yeah, that's kind of my view. I think you'll be impressed by it if you don't know the tricks behind it. Like you'll just be like, yeah, but how do you explain this one, right? Um, so there's lots of techniques like uh, cold fishing. Like it's just like – cold. Uh, yeah. Cold reading. Cold reading, sorry. Fishing. Yeah, there you go. Cold fishing sounds like what uh, Inuits do. But no, sorry. Um, cold reading is just throwing ideas out there, seeing who responds to it, right? Yeah. And you could probably pick that up. It's like, I'm getting an N, an N, whatever. You'd be like, all right, whatever. You're just fishing, right? Mm. But then there's ones where they'll go, you, Tom, your mother just died. Her name was Nancy. And mm. you just, you're sitting there going, what the hell? He didn't fish at all. He just went straight for it or she went straight for it. And another trick that can happen is, let's say I'm the medium you come to see me for a private session. And I say, what's what's going on? And you go, oh, well, you know, my dad just died. And I go, oh, okay, okay, what's your dad's name? Uh, Todd, okay, Todd, okay. <laughs> I'm going to try contact Todd. I'm getting, I'm saying he was, it was something like, it was okay, I'm getting cancer. And they go, mm, and you go, oh, not cancer. No, 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 that was someone else. It was, um, it was like a lung disease. They go, yeah, yeah, and go, oh, lung disease. You know, they've got the most common things yeah, yeah. that, you know, like it's it's either cancer or heart disease or something like that. And you can probably tell if someone appears overweight, you might think, all right, they're dead. So, so they yeah, fish. And stuff, yeah. So in, essentially they're fishing in the private consultation. And then at the end they say, okay, so, you know, we contacted your father, Todd, who who died of heart disease um, and he had a dog named whatever. You, you, you ascertain that over the course of an hour of a personal thing. Yeah. Then at the end you say, listen, I'm doing a public reading, an event, a TV show. Come along, maybe I'll pick something else up there. So all the audience Surely. sees, yeah. all the audience sees is, you had a father named Todd who died? And they go, yes, because they think they're just confirming what you already know. Yeah, yeah. But to the audience, they're like, oh, my God, he just intuited that out of nowhere. So that's another one of the tricks. Yeah. So, you know, there are resources out there we can sift through and read the tricks and go and just go, oh, it's probably one of those, probably one of those. And so they just they just have so many of them that 
you know, even if a trained magician who knows this stuff, who knows behind the scenes uh, goes, there might be something that trips them up. Mm, not sure how they did that one. And then it could be an earpiece, you know, it could be whatever, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that's the interesting side to the skepticism angle with this stuff. It's like mm. you've seen enough where even if you are impressed, mm. you're still going to be like, but there's definitely a trick to that. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 totally. Like yeah. I don't know the method, but I, you know, it's either the world as I know it and science is 100% wrong <laughs> or they got an earpiece. It's, <laughs> it's Occam's razor. Like, it's always what I'm like, either yeah. magic exists yeah, yeah, or yeah. it's the real thing. Yeah, totally. And it, it's the simplest explanation. And, and it just goes back to that thing. There's, there's never been like something that was once answered by science that now is better answered by, you know, mysticism. Yeah. It's always mysticism exists, then science gives you a better answer, and then science gives you an improved upon answer, yeah. and then science gives you a more refined answer. It never goes, it's back. Never goes back to like, no, 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 forget the science. Actually, it is mysticism. Yeah. It's never no, the gone The shaman, he's got it, man. Gravity. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's We're spirits wrong. pulling you down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the yeah. results are in. Yeah, so that so that that's what it would be if I think if you went to a psychic, you'd mm. be like, oh, that's actually- just fishing. That's just this. That's just like it's so because there's guessing. so many people who like mm. love it. There's man, there's psychics where it's like an eight month waiting list to go see them, like one on one. Yeah, and yeah. I also think that's it. a trick, though. I actually think that they will have room in their diary, but they intentionally say, "I'm booked up for the next six months." To create urgency, it's another. It's another. It's another trick. They'll have room. They'll fit you in. They'll have cancellations. Hundred percent. You're you blowing s- my mind, dear. Dude, that's a, absolutely another trick. It's like it's not even a person. It's just a dog. That's, yeah, that's what yeah. the psychic is. Like, what? yeah, they're not that busy. They're not that busy. They're, it's really just like they've created that through. Really? Yeah. It's a it's social proof. I really hope you read. Hmm. I've got so many books that you'd like. So, um, Gut Feelings by Gert Gigerenza describes a bunch of this stuff. There's also one by Cordelia Fine called A Mind of Its Own. has a lot of these, you know, biases. Uh, and, and social proof of this is what everyone is doing. It must be good. Mm. You know, it's, uh, I don't know if it's as simple as in evolution, if everyone's eating those berries, they're the safe ones. Don't go eat the berries no one's eating because those might kill you, basically. Mm. Like that's kind of like the mechanism um so it's 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 the same it's like you walk past two restaurants one's full one's empty what are you gonna eat yeah well the popular one because it's probably better right you know uh you know what what festival show do you want to see do you want to see the one that has heaps of room or the one that's sold out you want to see the sold out one dogs (laughs) yeah exactly you know so that 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 that's really and that's the trick and that's the sort of thing of like in 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 our profession in, in festivals, you know there there are people give away free tickets. There are free tickets for half ticks and um, mm. all sorts of like free ticket service. So they will give enough free tickets away to create a sold out show, mm. so they can advertise it's a sold out show because people's brains work on oh lots of people like it. Well then it must be true, and so. When it comes to psychics and stuff, they're good at going, oh, if I say I'm busy for the next three months, six months, people go, oh, well, there must be something there. How could they be this busy? 
You're just pulling back the curtain on everything. Oh, right? everything, this man. Is... Yeah. Life is a lie. <laughs> but I'm positive. It was pretty solidified by, you know, 18, 19, right. being quite sceptical. Yeah. But I, I'm sure 1984 contributed to that for sure. I mean, this is the, yeah. it's the old, uh, you know, nature, nature thing. The, the thing slots yeah. in with what you already think and it just yeah. adds more colour to it rather than it's yeah. completely changed your whole perspective on stuff. And that's it's, totally fair It's enough. definitely an interaction. Like if you have a predisposition to a scientific thinking and then you, you know, there's a book of 1984 there, you're more likely to pick it up. And if you p- do pick it up, it'll further your, you know, mm. uh, sceptical thinking. And, and and so it's it's always a a bouncing back and forth between those those things, like what you're predisposed to have, what you seek out, and then what how it affects you. Yeah, yeah, that's because that's mm. the other how it affects you. Because like I feel like anyone you can take mm. so much from something like that, and the yeah. fact that that's what you drew is like the big thing is like mm. very like yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I knew it. <laughs> I yeah. thought this already because then yeah. I suspected this, and now it's like isn't that one of the nicest things about a, a book that is like there's a truth that's dormant in you, mm. and the book goes, you know this. Okay, I do know that. <laughs> Never articulated it. It's a different one, yeah. As long as as you're not doing that, uh, Mm. because I don't definitely, (laughs) without going down the realm of cognitive bias, you're Mm. like, I knew this thing, which this book is. I am right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. It it feels more like a an epiphany that has been ready to, Mm. you know, happen, as opposed to like, yes, I am right. (laughs) You know, I've been saying this for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Totally. Yeah. So it it is uh, yeah very niche niche feeling I it's think a yeah. fine line mm. between the two yeah mm. um, okay so you mm. yeah because like, first it's interesting isn't it with the oldies how like look the parents how they seem to go so far along that path of the analytical side of things but they don't apply it to maybe everything and I think that apply like obviously the religious beliefs are one but it's almost mm. a lot of the stuff of how society mm. works well it's double it it's double be, think right it's yeah. exactly from the book it's that ability to have cognitive dissonance to on one hand say hey you know where we should you know care for the environment but then still eat lots and lots of meat because you know we like knowing like yeah i know it contributes to you know carbon emissions but i clicked the little carbon emission link on when i bought my flight I, you know the carbon offset i click that and i'm going to eat steak every night you know we're like everyone's capable of that everyone does it mm. and um and, and certainly what you grow up in, like if you if you grew up in that, you know, as, as a child, that devout religious way of thinking, it is such comfort food. And to you can consciously say, yeah, I'm not going to pick this apart. I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to say say grace. Uh, you know, it's their form of, of meditation, maybe praying, that sort of thing. And uh, don't, don't 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 apply, you know, the critical yeah, yeah. because it it comes from a deep rooted emotional background upbringing. So yeah, they're the oldies are capable of doing it, but we'll probably do some variation of it. Nah, we're good. No, nah, we're perfect. We fixed it. We've we'll Google it. it. Yeah. We'll, we'll Google, Google it, it and we'll, we'll accept everything as Google says. Yeah, totally. No, yeah, that's just because I do find it. And I, also the fact that you grew up in it, so you saw like uh, the positive side of it, so you mm. don't have the judgment towards it, I think. And I noticed that because mm. I've got parents who are religious and I definitely have no, mm. like some people are like, oh, it's so dumb, it's so good, don't you get mm. it? And like there's a mm. smug like thing yeah. and you're like, when you've grown up with it, yeah, you definitely yeah. don't have that. Did you have a f- a phase of of that feeling? Um, 
No, no, nothing no. like that ever. But I, I, yeah. I, I had two older brothers, so right. <laughs> there was no magic in my life ever because right. it, was, it was all spoiled before I even remember. 18, 19, 20, I think I was a bit annoyed at my parents for it. I'm like, why? Why? You know, you're smart people. Like, And then I matured and, so, you know, it's like not everything has to be robotic and logical and mm. it's okay to live and let live. I think, I think that was particularly... Uh, I think that time, I'm trying to remember what years it was, but uh, what years it, uh, it covered, because there was a big atheist movement and it was a pushback against religious teachings in science class and biology. Uh, in America, they were teaching evo- uh, creationism along with evolution as like comparable. Yeah. So I think there was a particular movement that was pushing back against that. So there was a lot of sort of anger and outrage evoked because people felt science was being encroached on. But now I, I don't feel that as much uh, that it's being encroached on. I think it's being lied about. You know, yeah. like like we need to like our communication is at stake because in the in the past it was like, oh, people aren't trusting science at all. Now it's like, well, people trust science, but they just like don't know which article to believe about it. You know that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah. so so we have a we have a new problem. But back then it was, hey, religion's trying to say that you know their theories as equally valid as evolution, and so I did have a, a couple of years of like. You know, hands off our science books. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. Uh, did that feed into? I guess because if you approach everything from the scientific point of view, you're going to be generally pretty. I feel like actually, I was about to make a very sweeping statement there about uh, like yeah, because you know, I feel like if you if you if you get it enough, you're going to have a pretty liberal mindset towards a lot of things. Mm. I think what's interesting is like our values are the same, mm. but what we attribute that to is different um did you to go back to the book i guess for a sec because mm. uh, one, one that happened to me with uh, 1984 um i read it when i was younger and i didn't really notice good writing then because i was kind of like it wasn't i was more interested in like what's going on what's happening mm. so, but then since then i've learned to appreciate good writing generally in, and especially when it comes to orwell um he was renowned for his mm. obsession with clean crisp writing doesn't he have that essay on like how to write yeah, he has yeah, these he's got a whole rules. essay. He's yeah, got a yeah, whole yeah. book. Well, it's like a short, it's a novella almost on um, right. the rules of writing. I think I've just read one. one yeah, this uh, is one section. Actually, I think it, yeah, it's definitely, a, maybe it's a long essay. Yeah, maybe <laughs> like, it's a long essay, but yeah. I, I've read something of it. And yeah, I, I identify with that. Yeah. Like the, the first line of 1984 was something like really hit, hit me even then. And, and probably I, I definitely didn't appreciate like the thousand other good techniques he's using but that first line was like oh this is good like this is this is going to be a good book yeah because it really really got me thinking like 13 what is this struck 13 is it well when was this written no it wasn't like it would just got me yeah so i that really wrote me in and uh yeah it wasn't until till later that yeah i agree with you that he was like this is don't don't use what one's a big don't use a big word when a small word will do yeah, which like uh, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So is that is that kind of what you prefer in your uh, totally you take take in? You don't like the verbose style of ultra flowering. Yeah, I, I don't like that. I I um I just finished a. It's hard. It's not that I don't like it. It's just not my favorite. Like I just finished uh, Michael Chabon 
uh, book, uh, uh, The Final Solution, which is kind of like a, it's a short novel, a novella about uh, Sherlock Holmes when he's old. Like he never mentions it. He's called the old man. But anyway, Shabon is what I think I describe as an impressionist writer. It's like an impressionist painting. It's like, oh, yeah, I think, you know, that's a pond, that's a garden scene. You can't make out details. You don't exactly know that's a person. But you can go, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a person. And then some other pieces you're like, oh, it seems like just a bunch of lines. Oh, is that a tree maybe? Is that the sun? You know, that sort of thing. So when I I read that, I just want to know the story a lot of the time. Like stop, like telling me like the description of what was happening to the forehead of the character and the, you know, his backstory and what, you know, that sort of thing. So what, what happened next? Tell me, did he walk inside the house? Tell me that, you know? So there's a little bit of, 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 I have a little bit of pushback to that sometimes of, yeah, Im- yeah, that impressionist style of like you're getting, he's, pa- he's literally painting a picture of the scene and then by the end of it you should have the whole image, right? Um, where 84 feels like like the, st- the, the, this character's story is the most important thing not the descriptions of this and that and and getting us into the world as clearly as possible and letting you know what's going on as clearly as possible. Um, so there's a, a Douglas Adams quote, I think, that I, I just I really enjoy every now and again when I feel embarrassed about, like the books I'm reading was mm-hmm. um, Su- Susan hated literature. She'd much prefer a good book or something like yeah. that to read a good book. <laughs> like I really just every now and again I just – because you, you see – friends reading something really like you know high literature i'm like oh god i'm dumb you yeah. know i don't read high literature but it's like it's 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 okay to you know just yeah. enjoy a story 100 percent. yeah i'm not i'm definitely not the kind of person who's ever going to judge anyone for what they kind of go with because mm. it's whatever you feel like yeah, yeah <laughs> have totally. time for yeah totally between the billion things that are going on so yeah, yeah totally. um and so yeah because like yeah, because obviously you do the writing and stuff. So I'm guessing your style then with your writing would be very much focused on... Hmm. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's sitting where yes. and what happened? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. And then learning to pull back from that as well. And actually, you know, I would have been too far that way. I would have been like... And he sat at the table and his left hand sat on his right knee, like just stuff like that that doesn't need to be yeah. there. So I was too 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 literal. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um so reading Che Bon as as much as like it's not my fave actually improved my writing because it's like, oh, what is the what is the least you can say about the actual action mm. while still communicating what happened. And it's funny how when you're younger, because I'm just trying like to go with 1984 thing it's like you're liking the writing being crisp you're liking the skeptical view towards human beings or their malleability that's like funny that's the kind of stuff you take away from it and how that speaks to what you like you haven't gone into at all the double thing the political side of you that stuff which you like did that stuff was that that hook in with you as much or not really it was kind of like that's cool but not what hooked you yeah i think it feels like a it actually feels like I have a new defense mechanism to interpret politics and news after reading it. Like the, I think about this scene in the book all the time, like over the years so much when following the news and, and politics, you know, when they're talking about our enemy is, um, 
South South Asia, not uh, Eurasia or whatever. They mm. swap allies and enemies mid speech. Yeah, mid sentence. Mid sentence, right? And I just thought like that was really powerful. And I thought, oh, he's exaggerating like the general ability for governments to do that. But then during you know the the last American administration, all of a sudden they're friends with Russia and you know North Korea, and I was like, wait, hold on. Yet on the on the on the day before inauguration, Russia was the enemy, and we have to stop Russia interfering. The next day, it's like, oh, they're good people. I spoke to Putin; he's a good dude. It's all fine. And it's like that. I was like, shit, that is 1984. Like that is on a dime. Enemies and allies have swapped. You are blown. Like, mm. it's so funny the scenes you're pulling out, which are exactly the ones that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I think of that scene as well all the time. Like, all the time. It, and you see it so much. Oh. That it's also, and this is how it's always been. Yes. Like, we've forgotten. Like, that's really funny. Yeah, no, yeah. that is a very important part. You're yeah, right. Yeah. And that's how it's always yeah, been. So every time. Like, that's what's yeah. crazy about it sometimes. <laughs> but what, what's really interesting, I think, something that Orwell got wrong is that. He assumed that you needed to change the documents of history so people couldn't prove you're a hypocrite, where we learned there's like, it doesn't even, you don't even need to. It's all there on the internet. It's in the Twitter feed. People can bring your tweets up and you go, nah, there was a different time. Nah, yeah. that meant, it, that's not what I meant. Crazy. Oh, I, they say a thing yesterday. And you go, hey, you just said this thing. They go, that's not what I meant. You took it out of context. Fake news. Off you go. Yeah, it's like he did. You don't even need to 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 like Winston's job wouldn't exist. It doesn't need uh-huh. to exist. Yeah, it does not need to exist. I don't. You need don't need to go revise history. You just deny that it happened. Deny, yeah. deny, deflect. Even deny. as the people are showing it, you're like, nah, nah, no, no, that's wrong. La, 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 I don't know la, la, where la. that book came from. I think that's fake. It's propaganda. Yeah, don't you don't even need to rewrite history. Yeah, <laughs> no apologies, no mistakes, um, and. Yeah, and and in 1984, it's just you know, oh, we gotta we gotta revise our history so people don't think we made mistakes. Don't even need, don't bother, don't waste the resources. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're giving people way too much credit. They'll be, they'll believe you if you tell them. Yeah, you just bring the cage of rats out, mate. They'll believe you. <laughs> Jesus, always back to the cage of rats. That's it's a, just it, the it, it's never like no other torture thing. In film and what maybe Saw and Saw they do some pretty crazy stuff. No, they do way in terms of yeah, yeah, way more crazy. But this one more captures because of the phobia he has. There's so something, yeah. There's something also organic about rats. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like as opposed to like a like a you know something like metal or like an actual saw or mm. something like that. Oh, association okay. of like vermin and yeah, vermin and it's a lot like it's a, a live thing that's doing it to you. Anyway, sorry to go on about it. It just. There are there are so many parts of this book that just sit with me, just stay with me, and just come up of their own volition, and and that's I think that's why it's my favorite in the sense of I guess I I responded to that question as like what book has imprinted itself on me the most, mm. you know what's my most enjoyable read, uh, you know maybe lord of the rings sort of midway through the book when the legolas and gimli getting to know each other like that's really enjoyable mm. but is it my favorite did it like do i think about that sometimes when i read the news no you know yeah. it's a beautiful escape but yeah yeah 1984 just 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 has has 
been absorbed into me, I think. Yeah, that's always when you know something's worked, when it's like pops mm. into your head still. 1984 just felt like, do you want to know the truth? If the pressure's put on you, you will, you know, submit. <laughs> Again, it's hilarious how much you took the same thing as yeah. I, I yeah, took. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Um, cool. I think we should probably end it there. Great. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I guess we'll just put a tie it off there. Thank you, uh, Simon, for being on the show. That was very abrupt. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, no, no, okay. I was building up. No, to no, it. no, uh, I appreciate it. No, no. <laughs> uh, no, I do want to say, but we'll give another shout out to your book, One Night Stand, which uh, comes out on, uh, well, let's say the date rather than the. Yeah, Feb 1st. It should be in stores. Uh, it'll be at Dimmicks and, uh, you know, Readings bookstores and should be in all sorts of little bookstores and Big W, apparently. So if you're getting some That's storage crazy. solutions, uh, go become my book. <laughs> Well prepared. Actually, and just quickly on that note, have you been, um, has been a lot of publicity stuff involved in it? Like, has that been eye-opening for you? Is it kind of the same or is it different or? A lot of my, you know, connection through promoting festivals, you know, just radio and uh, print media and things like that. So, yeah, the same thing, just mm. like a different person, different department, right? Yeah, you're yeah. still sending a press release. You're still saying, what can we do? You're umming and ahhing about where to spend advertising money, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it feels pretty routine, like mm. just like, oh, yeah, I've been doing this with a festival show. Now I'm doing it with a book. Uh, so, yeah, same system, different people, I guess. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. So, once again... The medium's not what matters. It's just me getting my words out there. Yeah, it's yeah, all totally, the stuff around totally. it's the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen is basically the message I'm always <laughs> saying. Yeah. <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, congrats. Thanks, and man. Thanks for being on the show, man. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, dude. Bye. All right, cheers. <laughs>